Hello and welcome to the Bureau Asia podcast. I'm Matt Cowan, the Bureau Chief and your host. Thank you for listening in. Last episode, we hit the sandy, mostly plastic-free beaches and flip-flop melting pavements of Thailand when we broke down our short stay in the land of smiles. It had been a while since either of us had popped over there and what we found waiting for us surprised us a bit, especially some of the changes post-COVID. But I suppose it wouldn't be Thailand without a few surprises, would it? Just ask the boys who wake up after a big night out in Pattaya. Seriously though, all round we had a great time, but perhaps the biggest disappointment was that I got weaned, meaning I fell for the endorsement of a particular street in Bangkok that was supposed to have some of the best street food in the city by Mark Weens. You know, that googly-eyed chili munchin YouTuber you may have heard about with a lazy 9.7 million subscribers and 2.4 billion video views to date. That's 9.7 million subs. That's about the same as the population of Israel, more than Switzerland, and just a little bit less than the UAE. Anyway, if you want to find out what I'm talking about, listen to our previous episode after this one. It's very originally called the Thailand episode. It should be easy to find and it should shed some light on what happened and what I'm talking about. Actually, my good old weaning that I got drew comments from some of our regular listeners and followers on our social media pages at the Bureau Asia. Nick from Bangkok said, Forget little wiener, mate. In 10 years of blogging, he still can't accurately explain the tastes and sensations of what he's eating. Everything is just, oh, wow. He's just a lucky flog. While James from Saigon said, you could serve him bird droppings on a 1987 Happy Meal styrofoam box and he'd act like he's getting 12 happy ending massages at the same time if he's on camera. And our good mate Steve, also from Saigon, said, don't stay in that area, mate. It's crap, before going on to tell me I'd made a rookie mistake. So there you have it, some colourful and quite creative comments, I must say, by the lads telling me how they feel about Mark Weens and my gullibility. Which reminds me, if you'd like to tell me how you feel about anything that comes up in this episode or others, be sure to do so on Instagram or Facebook at The Bureau Asia. We also have a Facebook group, which is quite active, called The Bureau Asia Group. Or if you're listening on Spotify, you can leave a comment or question in the Q&A section below the show notes of this episode. Okay, so on with this episode. first half, we've got some gripes, some travel, some awards, and a tasty restaurant I've driven right on by for years without trying until this week. After that, we bring you a list of things not to do when you visit Saigon. Typically, lists are about what you should do or where you should go. Well, in this episode, we're tipping that on its head. And speaking of heads, we've put ours together and come up with a list of no-nos that in theory, should make your stay here a little more enjoyable. 
So be sure to hang around for that. And to help me out, as usual, especially with the gripes, is someone who's actually quite fond of the wiener. Yes, that's Mark Weens. And she just also happens to be the Bureau Asia's content manager. I'm talking about none other than Melanie Kasul. How are you, Mel? Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I can't believe it's mid-March already. Things are starting to get warm here in the Tanfo. Wow. Well, you didn't actually nearly fall off your chair. You've got to do that as well. You've got to do that big... With, w- the, with the eye roll. Wow. Yeah, you need to wow. sort of list over like a big yeah. ship. Okay. Yeah. So, hey, if Thailand is the land of mm-hmm. smiles, yeah. what would Vietnam be? Or for that matter, the Philippines? Well, isn't Vietnam like the hidden charm? Yeah, it is. I, yeah, I'm I still think... looking for it. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't found it yet. Uh, after I think they've just more made an, years. <laughs> an announcement that they're going to stick with that as well. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay, cool. And um, let me see. Philippines, what would be a good uh, motto? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. The last land, aside from the Vatican, that doesn't allow divorce. (laughs) Oh my God, wake up people. It's the women and fatherless children who are suffering. Yikes. That Mm. sounds like hell, a land of no divorce to me. (laughs) So um, did you get up to anything unusual or interesting this past week? No, just business as usual. Uh, I don't want to bore our listeners with it. I like to separate my Gemini persona, you know, day job Mel, the Bureau Mel. Uh, Maybe later I'll post some Instagram, you know, food photos or something. Okay, cool. Well, I had a fairly productive Mm -hmm. week, believe it or not. Okay. Although the definition of productive is subjective. Okay. Um, I made a point of getting on the motorbike last Monday just to get out of town a little bit for a few hours. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes I get a bit too comfortable and don't get out and explore enough. You mean get out of District 7? Get out of the house, (laughs) even. even Get out of the bubble. Yeah, so. So I jumped on the bike one morning and just headed south in that mm. general direction there. Ah, southbound trips, uh, always an adventure. Did you run into any bumps uh, or um, bushes along the way down south? Not as many as I do on Sun Tui Street in Taodien, actually. Oh, but uh, we're, lucky, we're lucky here where we live on the south side of Saigon. Mm-hmm. So you literally only have to go a few kilometres out the road and you begin to hit the Mekong, oh, yeah, essentially. That's right. yeah. we, we, we kind of live in the Mekong, really. Yeah, and, um, swampy. Yeah, area. things slow down pretty quickly, not mm-hmm. long after you get off the main highway. And you really start to pick up on the vibe as the number of hammock <laughs> cafes by the roadside multiply. Uh, hey, did you go far enough, like, you know, to the rubber tree plantations? I mean, I always wondered how sleeping on a hammock among rubber trees would go, like, <laughs> very bendy, very bouncy. I highly yeah. recommend it. <laughs> um, but there aren't any real rubber tree plantations in that direction. Uh, okay. They're more in the, uh, the Bungtao Oh, yeah, that's right. After you ride the ferry and then a little bit after, like, the factories. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. okay, I remember that's right. Out there, yeah. Um, But there are plenty of waterways, of course, and uh, what they call nipa palms. They're the ones Mm. that sort of grow on the Mm -hmm. canal banks there. And, um, yeah, plenty of places to while your day away under those. Uh, It's a bit of a pastime down there. Okay. Once the sun hits high noon, you know, you could shoot a slingshot down the maiden drag of some of those villages and not hit a thing. Nice. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Then on Wednesday, I decided I needed a haircut, in case you didn't notice. 
Plus, I, I think it's very hard not to notice <laughs> that, actually. Yeah. Um, plus, the motorbike badly needed a wash. So I knew I knew of this barbershop right mm. next to a motorbike wash joint in District 8. Okay. I'd been there before. It's not too far from here in District 7, actually. But I got there a little bit too early, so I decided to have a little bit of a snoop around District 8 through the local neighbourhood there and came across a small market, which is literally on the side of the road. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, re- it's actually really <laughs> a dirt road, a track with heaps of potholes. Mm, well, I hope your haircut was reasonably priced <laughs> as the, uh, the stuff being sold on that um, dirt track. Uh, maybe next time you should go... <laughs> to another barbershop. Sorry, but... You're not yeah. really liking it. No, the lads there, I think, had way too much fun scraping your scalp. Well, perhaps it's next a time... Very it's a bit of a chop job, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, perhaps, I'm not liking it. Perhaps next time I could just skip the barbershop and then go into the motorbike wash and get my ha- my hair cut there. Hey, and get washed. the hair wash. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It might come out, you know, pretty much the same, but... Yeah, $5, really, though. We're talking about a $5 haircut at the end of the day. Well, so, yeah. you pay peanuts. At, yeah. <laughs> um, and if you're listening and you're actually interested in seeing what my new chop job haircut, hatchet <laughs> job or whatever you want to call it looks like, just get on Instagram. I think there's a shot of it there. But anyway, on my way back to the barbers before I got my hatchet job for 5 bucks, I spotted a rather large shed and a mm. bunch of men sitting around inside who look to be fishing. What do you mean fishing inside? Like inside a hut and they cut a hole down the ground? <laughs> no, no, it's not like those um, ice fishing things. <laughs> okay. Oh, they opened a manhole. No, it's, it's like a machinery shed. And okay. inside there's like this sort of old school kind of swimming pool, you oh. know, in the middle of this room. And it's about one and a half metres deep. Uh-huh. And you sit around there, you rent a spot for however long per hour. I think it's okay. 120000 per hour. Okay. And allegedly there are fish in there. Oh. <laughs> I didn't see any when, I, when I popped in. What was biting? What kind? Nothing. Actually, the boys were pretty uh, unhappy at the oh, time, okay. the gentlemen that I met there. There were quite okay. a few of them. There were probably about 10 of them. That's interesting. Sitting around at about, what time was it, 9.30 in the morning. Well, I bet fishing. it's catfish. I don't know. I have no idea. There was a lady there who was managing the place and every now and then she'd throw in some of those big, they're kind of like a shrimp. A mm. big shrimp. You know like the ones with the bait? long, skinny, okay. um, whatever oh, you call them, claw arms things. or claw things As on bait. them. Yeah, oh, yeah. wow. Um, but nothing was actually biting. And uh, the gentleman, the, the new friend that I made there who goes there every day for a couple of hours before he goes off and does whatever else he does, mm. uh, he was complaining. <laughs> they, weren't, they weren't biting. But first hour is 120,000. Next hour after that is 110. And then after that, it's 100. Mm. And then I think it goes down. 120,000 like dong per hour. That's a very high price, a very well, low Well, it goes pr- down each hour by 10,000 uh, okay. dong. But if you catch something, you just get to take it home. You don't oh, have to okay. weigh it or anything like that. You get whatever you catch. All right. But, um, yeah, I don't know how many fish are actually in there because the water's pretty murky and green. Well, good luck to the lads there, and I hope there's no crocs in that water. Yeah, me too, because I'm going to go there and wet a line next week, I think. Oh, gosh. Okay. 
Mel, it occurred to me this week that we need to continue to offer our listeners more updates on things happening in Ho Chi Minh City and Vietnam and the region as they pop up. Okay. So I think um, let's keep things practical and educational and entertaining, something I like to strive for when making content. So this episode, we're going to chat about a handful of things that came up during the week. What do you think? Okay, I agree. But I think at this point, we need to put a trigger warning. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So the trigger warning is here. Our opinions are raw, honest, mostly comical. Cue and- trigger sound. <laughs> and definitely not sponsored. So if you have a faint heart, consider this your <laughs> TW reminder. Okay, so the first one is traffic. And more specifically, car drivers and your favourite Mel, Ninja Leads. Oh, gosh. Which we'll get into in a moment. But first, car drivers. Mm. Look, this harassing, haranguing, bullying, whatever you want to call it on the roads, Mm. has to stop. I witness it every day on the roads. And I want to put this to our Vietnamese listeners. Why are car drivers so impatient and such bullies on the roads? Beep, beep. Yeah. (laughs) Because presumably at some stage during their day or week, they're on a motorcycle too. Or in the past when they were still, you know, when they couldn't afford a car yet. Yeah. So they know exactly what it's like to be at the bottom end of the pecking order, don't they? So why don't they have the empathy, you know, what's causing this? Too much caffeine, too much MSG, Mm. too much BDE. (laughs) <laughs> you're, su- you're supposed to ask what BD is. <laughs> no, I, I think uh, our, our our ex-co-host Andy has uh, used BDE. Yes, a lot. I think he introduced that to us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, look, I hate to say this, but maybe too much privilege, okay. or maybe people just don't know how to drive properly. I mean, in some countries, driving is part of secondary school, and you know they start them early in the right direction. Okay, so yeah, for anyone listening, BDE is like big dick energy. (laughs) Okay. Um, So yeah, I can't see things getting any better with the increase in the numbers of cars on the roads. Mm. Um, Just to give you an idea of the car market in Vietnam at the moment, the Vietnam Automobile Manufacturers Association reported back in January that over 404,000 vehicles were sold last year. Wow. And this total includes passenger cars, commercial vehicles, and what they call special purpose vehicles, whatever they are. Can these special vehicles open a special school for driving? Yeah, they might need to. That would be special. So (laughs) let's do the maths. That's around 34,000 vehicles sold per month. This isn't including motorbikes. Look, the only number I'm concerned about is the decibels ringing (laughs) in my ear when these drivers honk like there's no tomorrow. Well, for plenty. And trucks. Yeah, true. But for plenty, there's no tomorrow because according to Vietnam's general statistics office, there were almost 12,000 road accidents last year, which killed over 6,000 people. So it's coming down a little bit. I remember Mm. when I first came here over a decade ago, it was around about 10,000 deaths on the road per year reported. Okay. And on average, they say there were 31 traffic accidents per day. Um, (sighs) I don't know what qualifies as an accident though, but Mm. um, those accidents claimed 17 lives and injured 22 people each day. That yeah, is. That's sad. All this comes as Bali, Mel, contemplates banning all foreigners 
from hiring motorbikes after a spate of incidents mm. that included abuse of cops, oh, wow. failure to wear helmets and the use of fake number plates. So the governor of Bali has come out and said, you know, stuff it, no more motorbikes for you. <laughs> Reminds me of a Seinfeld soup episode. Yeah. Um, wait. So does this trivia belong to the educational or entertainment definitely, category? Definitely, I'd say definitely <laughs> entertainment if okay. the social media about it is anything to go by, which caught my attention on various channels this week, mm. especially one account that I follow. It's called Bali Livin'. Okay. Yeah, their channel uh, helps you discover the unseen Bali. Uh, well, do you think this policy has anything to do with like Bali is so white, like Oof. that video by well, Nas we're Daily? Go there, are we? Um, hard no. to tell. <laughs> I can't imagine though the Bali cops being avid followers of Nas. Probably not. Uh, perhaps it's just Nas who has an issue with the whiteies. Anyway, True. I hear he's as privileged as the whiteies, so ah. I guess his opinion doesn't count. But on this at Bali Livin' Channel, yeah. which I recommend you check out. There are some classic reels of foreigners going ape shit oh, wow. at being pulled over by police. Karens? For not, yeah, I oh, guess wow. so. For not wearing helmets. Okay. And one in particular in which a shirtless man with, wait for it. Okay. Okay, you might be surprised about this. Yeah? Dreadlocks. A white tats, man with dreadlocks? No, hel no helmet <laughs> and presumably no licence. Oh. Accuses the cops who I must say look to be only doing their job. Okay. But he's accusing the cops of just wanting money and only pulling over foreigners, not locals. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I think if I was a cop, I'd pull him over too. Yeah. Look, I just Googled this. Wait. Um, did you know that Honda Vario 125cc <laughs> is the most common bike in Bali? So if Vietnam has the ninja leads, <laughs> maybe we can call the pesky drivers in Bali the headless varios or helmetless varios, vario vexers. What or, is a vario? vario? So it's, it's like a, a variety. Oh, okay. right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> or just maybe trigger warning here. White noise. Hey, hang on. Why do the white guys always cop it, Mel? This Ask is the post-pandemic era. Pick Ask on Nas someone Daily. else. <laughs> well, I think Nas Daily should pick on the Taldean bubblers, Ooh. where it seems to be a bit of a trend to ride motorbikes down Suntui Street, one of the main thoroughfares in the neighbourhood, without helmets and sometimes without shirts. <laughs> do they have dreadlocks? Uh, I, don't know if I, I don't know if I can include women in that. I don't know if I've seen any without a shirt. <laughs> I have seen them with dreadlocks down there as well. Well, I just hope they don't carry their kids along with them if they drive irresponsibly. Well, Mel, I'm not sure if you noticed it, but this week there seemed to be a noticeable uptick in foreign tourists walking the streets of Saigon. Yeah, and last week too, I was walking down uh, Dom Khoi and the pavement was buzzing. Also <laughs> along Bentan Market. That might have been the sound of pacemakers. Maybe. Like, yeah, if yeah. it was buzzing. <laughs> Now, there, yeah, you are correct. There were mostly um, <laughs> tourists, uh, senior, yep. yeah, age tourists, correct. Yeah, well, this has coincided with reports that Vietnam intends to expand the list of eligible nationalities for visa exemptions, mm -hmm. including extending the length of stay for foreign tourists. Okay. Vietnam currently has waivers in place for travellers from just 25 countries. Australia uh, is not included in this list at the moment with varying lengths of stay. So the thing is, Mel, 
Nine out of those 25 nationalities are ASEAN countries anyway, or what do you from have? ASEAN. Do you have anything, you have anything against <laughs> no. ASEAN people, no, no. Matthew? No, what I'm trying to get at is that really they, they get exemptions anyway, whenever it is, yeah. pandemic or not, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that really brings it back down to just 14 nationalities outside of this region that have visa waivers. Mm, okay. Trigger warning. This is the second one. Okay, cue trigger sound. (laughs) Unfortunately, ASEAN quote-unquote tourists are on the watch list, both, you know, um, arriving in Vietnam and before leaving their own um, immigration desks at their own countries. Well, definitely in the Philippines. Yes, definitely in the Philippines. Um, Since they don't really come here as authentic tourists, but only come in visa-free, but then proceed to find work in the country. Some are successful and manage to transition legally, but most are not. And they just, you know, they end up doing visa runs and the cycle goes around and around and again. Yep. Yeah. Well, we can't really verify that. And like uh, Sergeant Schultz said on the classic Hogan's Heroes, I know nothing. (laughs) Now, before the pandemic, there was a multi-entry three-month visa that was available, which hasn't been brought back yet, obviously. Meanwhile, everyone is comparing Vietnam's tourism recovery with its neighbours like Malaysia, Thailand, Singapore, and even your country, Mel, the Philippines. These countries have many more visa waivers. For example, Malaysia waives 162 nationalities, the Philippines 157, and Thailand 68. Actually, I thought Thailand might have been a bit higher Ah, than that. I would love to go back to Thailand. To be honest, that's the only foreign country in the region I would probably want to visit again and again and again as a tourist. What about Australia? That's part of Asia. Is it um, in the region? Pan-Asia. Anyway, anyway, okay. uh, <laughs> I actually have no idea how this visa situation in Vietnam is actually impacting on its tourism recovery because there are other factors at play. And from my experience with friends and family visiting over the past few months, hi Dick and Jill, uh, it seems if you really want to get to Vietnam to travel, it's quite easy. Um, mm. There've been reported issues with the e-visa application here and there, but I think by and large those is- issues have been isolated. Mm. Mm. Now I want to ask you, Mel, mm. will a change in this visa thing bring about a rapid change in the number of travelers visiting Vietnam anyway? It's n- like you said, it's not the only reason. Yeah, I think. But having said that, I think in the past, having longer visa passes in Vietnam allowed tourists to explore the country, say, you know, from the north to the south. Right. And they probably thought, like many, unfortunately, okay, we've done Vietnam, no need to return. That's off our bucket list. So perhaps having shorter visa lengths is a strategy, you know, to entice return travelers. Yeah, actually, that's a good, yeah, Possibly. Yeah. I think one of the key words you used then was done. You know, we've yeah. done Vietnam. Yep. At the moment, I think the prevailing attitude is that you do Vietnam and then you don't come back. Yeah. You know, done that. Yep. Whereas uh, countries like Thailand, for example, and maybe to a lesser extent, the Philippines. Yeah, there's so many islands people, and yeah, beaches so much that to you can see. discover. The cultures are vastly different. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting, you talk about strategy with the tourism return. I visited, sorry, I didn't visit, but I went to a, an event this week held by Saigony and PR Newswire, okay. good friends of the Bureau. It got me thinking because the Chinese travel market was 
repeated or brought up a again, lot again, during again. Present, okay. the presentations. Right. Uh, it was about an hour long. Okay. And there was quite a, a focus on the returning Chinese market, of course. I think the first flights from China have come back this week, during the week. So perhaps Vietnam's hinging its travel recovery on Chinese travellers who only come for short stays anyway and in large groups. So perhaps that's the strategy as China opens up and Vietnam begins welcoming Chinese travellers. Yeah, so one other segment I've got a feeling it may impact on Mel is beg packers. Will we see more? They've been in the news a bit lately, especially in Da Nang, after photos of one begging on a busy street corner of Da Nang were posted on social media. This particular one was spotted holding a piece of cardboard, seemingly the material of choice for beg packers, with a cartoonish-like plea written in Vietnamese for cash to fund his continuing travels. Hey, you were supposed to find a beg packer (laughs) in uh, Bui Vien to be a guest in the show. What happened to that plan? I think I had my uh, beg packer radar turned off this week, although I did keep an eye out. I kept my eyes peeled. Oh, but you did it. Oh, but you didn't go to District 1. You went to Lom An, didn't you? Yeah, but I was in town a little bit. Okay. I I sort of kept an eye out on those Mm. hotspots where I've seen them before on those busy sort of corners. Yeah. Yeah, but I didn't see any, interestingly. Now, um, this bagpacker issue follows an investigation into three foreigners who were photographed begging for cash near Fukuok's central market back in January. Oh, Fukuok. Yeah, the photo of them, again, holding a cardboard sign, which I think was a, an empty beer box. Okay. <laughs> Maybe they yeah. drunk their box of Tiger and had <laughs> run out of money. Uh, it made it in the news. The sign said, hello, we're from Russia. We've been travelling without money for the last five years. Please support our trip. Thank you. Russian tourists. Yeah. Okay. Russian tourists or Russian refugees? <laughs> I'm not ants. I'm not getting drawn into this. Yeah, yeah, but look, remember that remember that Russian couple you met at the Tanfong Ward yep. when you were renewing our pink book? Yep. So maybe there are travelers, especially from, you know, Russia or Ukraine or any number of countries with an unstable situation right now. You know, maybe they're just being forced to be tourists and going around uh, the yep. world because yep. they don't want to go back home to a, yeah, you know, to a bad situation in their country. Yeah, you might be right. So, okay, let me make a note for things to do next week. Find beg packers and Russians to interview. <laughs> now, the comments about the beg packers are gold. I'll let you guys listening search for those yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a couple of groups that you might want to look at. Uh, expats, Ho Chi Minh City expats, I think it's called. Mm. Da Nang expats. Okay. You'll find the most recent one there pretty easily. But just as a footnote to that story, begging on the streets is actually against the law in Vietnam. So okay. I'm not sure if these guys are aware of that at all. It's probably not a bad way to get yourself deported. Look, whatever your situation is, actual tourists with no budget, Tourist refugees, is that even a new term now? Like, have we just created a new demographic? Um, Or economic migrants, right? Look, the Bureau wishes you well. And if you want to come on the show to share about your experiences, let us know. Lunch is on us. (laughs) We may sound judgmental at times, but we'll give you a platform to shout out. I know a cheap bun me place. Yeah. (laughs) 
Mel, the awards season is upon us and all the talk has been about the Oscars and how Saigon born Wan Ke Hui won for Best Actor in a Supporting Role. Mmm, cue, cue the uh, clapping. Done. What are the Vietnamese saying about him? Are they actually claiming him? Oh, this is such a contentious topic. I haven't seen the movie. I will this afternoon. Um, CGV has, you know, started to rerun the movie. Um, Let's see. Look, so I'm not going to comment on the movie itself or the acting. But I recently reposted a BBC News article on my personal Facebook page and with the headline, Why Vietnam Doesn't Want to Claim Key So I want to share what some of my Vietnamese Facebook friends had to say about it. Um, This is a combination of Vietnamese who are living in the country and those who have migrated uh, mostly in Australia, actually. So AT says they only recognized him when they felt like it. Only at his highs, China heritage never gave up. Okay. Yep. Okay. Thanks, AT. All right. Tuan Dui said, the world is so big and has 1,001 sides. If we read all, our life can be better. Are we sure? Okay. So it's a little bit of an introspection there. Okay. All right. Um, Dui Fan. So this is a little bit long, so bear with me. He said... As someone who reads media from both Western and Vietnamese sources, I feel a bit weird that a lot of people deny Ki Hui Quan's Vietnamese identity. His background is Chinese-Vietnamese, and it's widely known that the Dan Tok Hoa, or Chinese, is part of the 54 ethnic groups in Vietnam. I feel a lot of attachment to him and denying his roots and criticizing the story that he's a quote-unquote both person is something that lacks humanity. Mm. All right. And lastly, um, Dang, she says, I'm not sure this is entirely correct. In Vietnamese language media, articles outlining Ke Hui Quan's long history with Vietnam are everywhere. He returned to Vietnam in 1996 to make a movie called Red Pirates, Hong Hai Tak, with the top billing actors at that time. Oh, shout out to my former boss, um, Cho Nop An, who nice. was in that movie. Okay, nice. Yes. And yeah, he apparently spoke very little Vietnamese, but was fluent in Cantonese. And his colleagues from back then are quoted praising his work ethic and humble demeanor. Okay, nice one. Yeah, there's some really good points there. Um, Most travelers who come to Saigon, especially, they wouldn't know that often the language they're hearing on the streets of neighborhoods like Wintaibin and... Uh, Jolon. Mm. It's actually Cantonese, not always Vietnamese. So it's a good chance that that language or foreign language to us is probably Cantonese. Ah, yeah. Look, the takeaway from this is his comeback story, really. You know, it's very inspiring. And not only to Vietnamese or ethnic Chinese or Cantonese or Asians, but really for everyone. Yeah. I mean, that's why the movie is called, was that? Everything, everywhere. Yeah, it sounds like it would be <laughs> a good flick. Time. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right, fair enough. Well, so, Mel, there are also some other awards happening this week as we speak. I attended Vietcetra's Restaurant and Bar Awards last night, otherwise known as the Bun Mi Awards. Oh, are at- they still calling it that? Uh, yeah, I think it's its kind of nickname. 
Okay. Yeah. Right? And it was held at Global City somewhere out in the boondocks of Anfu. Okay. Um, yeah, I didn't think there could be any more potholes than what there already are, but there were quite a few <laughs> I came across out there. It was a pretty slick night hosted by local celeb MC and friend of the Bureau Asia, Dustin Wynn, who was excellent as usual. I love you, Dustin. Yeah. And the day before was the conference day, which I attended. I think it was the best one yet. Ah, but yeah. how was the food? Uh, the refreshments? I don't, know. I, don't, I don't know if I want to get into that. Okay. So, Trigger uh, warning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, congratulations to all the winners. You can find them on Vietcetra's Instagram page, at Vietcetra. But yeah, all round good show. Well done, guys. Also, Asia's 50 Best Bar Awards have arrived. Voting was supposed to have closed on Friday. Don't ask me how I know, but I do. (laughs) Although I've just heard the deadline to vote has been extended until next Friday. Mm. So I'm pretty sure some local bars will make the cut. And the Asia's 50 best restaurants from 100 down to 51 was also announced a couple of days ago. Okay. No Vietnam restaurants included in that particular list. Okay. So perhaps there'll be some in the top 50 whenever that gets announced. Wow. uh, Pretty soon, I think. Any news about Michelin? Uh, Nothing really. I'm out of the loop on that one, but there was a little bit of chat at the conference about it uh, just a couple of days ago, along with the Asia's 50 best list. I think it's a pretty coveted accolade in the industry for the young bartenders and restaurateurs here in Vietnam. It's really something for them to hang their hats on, which is great. Mm. Something for them to sort of be proud of and look forward to. It's not only for the young people, it's also, you know, deserving veterans. Yeah, Yeah, sure. True, true. Um, I'm not sure how getting onto Asia's 50 best pays off in the long run, though. You know, whether it translates into more punters coming into your venue and perhaps more tourists seeking you out. Although I've definitely noticed inductees tend to get more collabs with other Mm. international inductees. So, you know, winners in the same category from a different country. Okay, They they tend to sort of um, link up, connect. Oh, that's nice. Uh, Nevertheless, you'd probably be better off being on the list than not. I suppose. So have you mailed in your vote yet? <laughs> or, oh, wait, sorry. Are we not supposed to reveal you're a voter, right? But hey, what the hell? Other influencers flog their 50 best hashtags all over social media here in Vietnam to get free invites to dinners and venue openings. So you know what? This is my final trigger warning. <laughs> I really don't believe in awards. So, sorry. So not even if I nominate you for wife of the year next year? Oh, I think that's a shoe in <laughs> Look, I won't confirm or deny, but what I'll tell you is that there's really no benefit to so-called judges of Asia's best 50 at least publicly, okay, because you're supposed to remain anonymous. And pay for your own stuff. Yeah, so yeah. essentially you do all the legwork for them at your expense to provide them with evidence that you believe is worthy of an establishment's inclusion on the list. All right, so don't worry. I don't know how that's going to come back no, to me, no. but anyway. <laughs> don't worry. You, you win the best husband award oh, this season and all oh seasons. Mel. Yeah. Should we wrap it up there? No. <laughs> and uh, just to hand this week, Mel, I noticed we're in Ho Chi Minh City, an Instagram channel here in Saigon, 
has announced their own awards. Okay. Which, interestingly and somewhat brashly, mm-hmm. have claimed their awards as having real votes and real winners. <gasps> By real <Ooh-la-la>. people? <laughs> they also use words like honest and authentic in their announcement. Oh, okay. So... Could this be a dig at all the other awards going around and a perceived lack of transparency in nominations and winners? Okay. All right. I'll bite. Pun okay. intended. All right. I so, was hoping you would. <laughs> so actually, um, when you said that we were going to talk about that, I launched this um, social media tool called Hyper Hype Auditor. All right. So it's an influencer marketing auditing tool to trace if IG accounts, YouTube accounts, and websites have fake followers. And the result is, insert drum roll. Actually, (laughs) I need to buy the premium account to cap the fake followers. But, 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 the free analytics did say that Wherein Ho Chi Minh has 8.8 thousand followers with a 2% engagement rate and they score an average um, Instagram page quality of 45 out of 100. Mm. Look, um, as you know, most, or for those of you who've been following the Bureau website for a while, I did teach social media and mobile marketing um, at RMIT University. And these uh, statistics, are pretty good effort for a local business, I would say. Yeah, I think so. I yep. think uh, the only thing is I'm, I'm pretty certain they've got 10,000 now. Ah. So maybe it's gone up a little bit. Okay. But the, the 2% engagement rate is good. Mm. I think anyone on Facebook and Instagram who has a 2% engagement rate mm-hmm. is going well. Look, without naming names, we do have a friend of the Bureau who is a, an influencer, a Vietnamese influencer. They have a like their followers is way more than where in Ho Chi Minh City. Uh, I I don't have my little uh, cheat sheet right here, Mm. but their engagement rate is like 0.75%. And then when you look at the individual follower accounts that they have, it's like happy one, two, five or Daishan five, eight, four. It's a a good point. I think it's something that businesses in especially in hospitality Mm. and travel should look at they probably should be looking more at the engagement rate Mm -hmm. rather than and I'm saying this because we actually have a fairly low follower count in the scheme of things but we do have a very good engagement rate yes and all the people that comment on our Facebook group are real people like Steve Black (laughs) Uh, yeah uh, yeah remind me to remove him anyway (laughs) Either way, we're in Ho Chi Minh City's awards or whatever they're, they're calling them. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to watch over the coming weeks to see how they're received and, and how engaged. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to vote. Be. How about you? Yeah, why oh, not? That's great. Why that's not? two real people. Yep. <laughs> that's two real people in the voting pool for we're in Ho Chi Minh City. Good yep. luck, guys. Something to watch. Okay, and finally, to wrap up this segment, Mel, which... Somehow we've drawn out again. 
Thank you very much if you're still listening. To you're a champion. To all our robot <laughs> followers. <laughs> we have a uh, brief restaurant review of our own. Mm, I hope you're hungry for some steak. Yeah, we finally got a steak at Il Corda, mm. a steak joint on Le Tanton Street in District 1 the we other night. We got I cordoned you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd never been there before because it's kind of – at an awkward sort of end mm. and spot of the street there That's because right. I usually come around the corner off Tonduk Tang Street and yeah. I'm looking at the traffic ahead and yeah. just making sure I don't run into anyone basically and it, you know, we zip by it. But you're mm. on the back a lot of the time and you yeah. get to see all this hey, sort of there, stuff. there, let's go there, yeah, let's so you'd, there. you'd been talking about it for a while mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, we decided to pop along and have a look. So. Yep. What did you think? Well, first of all, I thought that the, what do you call the person at the restaurant that like welcomes you and gets your maitre d'. I guess so. Is it okay for a, to call a guy that? I'm not sure. But yeah, so the guy that was in charge of like, you know, pointing you where to park, welcoming guests. He was really nice. Yeah, he was. So that, you know, every time you, you go to these places, it's the people at the front that, that really makes an impact. So I thought he was really friendly. Often the parking guy as well, yes. funnily enough. Someone yeah. who's not trained in hospitality, mm-hmm. if you have a good experience mm-hmm. with them, it really kicks the night off well. Yeah, not to go, you know, like uh, too much on, on a single person. Everybody else, you know, it's a Japanese restaurant, technically, that serves steak. But at least you didn't hear those... <laughs> Yeah, so that that's that. So that was nice. Um, How about you? What was the first thing? Yeah, first impression was really good, and Mm -hmm. of course they've got the. Well, actually, let me go back a little bit. I'm a big fan of places that still let you park right up. (laughs) I I like to ram the front motorbike tire into the wall right in the window, basically. (laughs) So I'm a big fan of those places. Free parking as well. No parking guy, but the friendly character on the gentleman on the door there, he keeps an eye out and helped out and stuff like that. Also in the window, they have, um, you can look through the front window there mm-hmm. and it's the main kitchen and they've got all the it's an open kitchen there and yep. stuff like that. So pretty nice. Yeah. And it's two floors, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we had a steak, so we did go there expecting to pay more than a million, but we shared a 300 Which is about, gram how much is that? In, how much is a million dong in US dollars? About 45 these days, mm-hmm. I think. So yeah. yeah, so we we shared a 300 gram steak, had another entree to go with it. And, you know, we didn't even order alcoholic drinks. We had risotto. Yeah. We had a side sort of, of risotto, the I think, cheese. which was 250000 yeah. So, yeah, we didn't even have any alcohol. And in the end, our bill came up to um, around about $2 million, didn't yeah. it? So under $2 million. We Yeah, we still almost spent $100 US on 300-gram steak, a risotto, mm. a Coke, soda or something like that. They gave us uh, two pieces of macarons, macaroon, macaron, you know, as a thank you gift. Yep. And they gave us two baskets of fresh yep. bread with like three varieties, yep. six pieces per, per basket. And they, yep. so they gave us like 12 pieces of bread. 
And the decor is beautiful, mm-hmm. sort of dark tones, woody. Yeah, um, the music sort of was Japanese nice. Style. It's it's totally geared for the mm. Japanese businessman, isn't it? Really, yeah. or the there were a business couple groups. there actually. Yeah, yeah. so um, but not no busy. smoke. No but smoking. Yeah, that's good. There's an outdoor area there with yes. a with a tap, mm-hmm. I think. For there's beer. like a lot of craft beers there, but. Everybody was just ordering Sapporo for yeah, those right. tables that yep. were ordering alcohol. And it's over yeah. two floors. There's a bar downstairs near the steps, mm-hmm. uh, the stairs, and then there's also sort of a bar area mm-hmm. where you could probably sit in the dining area. Look, we don't, we don't spend too much like, you know, how many times do we eat out every week and drop two million. But if we were going to look at another steak, you know, dinner down the line few months, I'd go back. Yeah, I thought the service was really good, really friendly. The staff knew what they were talking about. The The meat came out cooked to yeah. exactly how we Medium. wanted it. It was delicious. Yep. 300 grams is uh, is plenty for me and we weren't overly hungry, no. so it was, was good enough for us. So might be somewhere for you guys to think about if you've got a few people in town, you want to spend a little bit of money or something like that or a nice business dinner, you want to splurge a little bit. I'd definitely go back for that. Okay, now we'd better keep this segment short, Mel, because we've gone way over time again. Mm. We've had a lot to talk about. So in this brief segment, we're going to list or we're going to come up with five things each uh-huh. you shouldn't do when you come to Saigon. Shouldn't do. Shouldn't do. Yeah. Okay. Is this, this is like a clickbaity thing, right? Yeah. <gasps> yeah, Don't I'm a, do this. Well, I'm filming this as well, so I'm, <laughs> no, I'm not going to okay. – I don't think I'll do it like that, but right. uh, I am filming it, so – um, yeah, we might put it on Instagram or something like All that right. with a few graphics or Wow. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's take a look. I think let's ladies. Let's take turns. Okay. Yeah, let's take turns. You come up with one, then All I'll right. come up with one. We have just as a disclaimer, we have spoken a little bit about this and put together a yeah. bit of a list and then we've tried to narrow it down. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, so you go first. First one. Number one, don't miss the reunification palace. Yeah, good one. I like Uh, that one. Amazing modernist building, lots of secret detail underground. And come on, it's only like, (laughs) I don't know, how much is the Uh, ticket? It's less than five bucks to get in. I know. And you can pretty much spend the whole day there if you want. Yep. You, You wouldn't, but yeah, it's a great place right in the center of town. Beautiful building. And it's kind of stuck in time. Yeah. Like back in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing building. Okay, I'm going to go with my first one. Don't drive without a license, especially after drinking. Now, yeah. a lot of people come here with the idea, idea that they're going to rent a motorbike. Okay. And ride maybe from the top of the country down south or wherever. Which wherever they can. Are. You can. But if you want to do it legally... You've got to have a license, Especially, right? Especially, knock on wood, if you get into an accident, yeah. your insurance yep. may not pay up yep. if you have no license. And not everyone can get an international driver's license for Vietnam. So you have to check the nationality list or register mm. of people 
who can actually get an international driving license for Vietnam. And even for people, well, technically to get a Vietnamese driving license like what I've got, you okay. need a temporary resident card. That's true. So, and a lot, well, you need to get your license as well. So it's very tricky. Although there are some motorbike rental companies where they ask you to surrender your passport yep. and then they must have no, it. You, I think it's just for them. Okay. It's not, it's not legal. Oh. It's not legal. And no one really advises you to have right. your passport. Okay, well, so, then that slips right into. And, and I just wanted to say in terms of drinking in Vietnam, you've got to have a zero blood alcohol level when you're driving. Mm. Unlike other countries, like I think in Australia, it's zero under 0.05. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> nice segue to number three. Don't use the taxi if you don't need to. Yeah. Just download, you know, um, ride hailing apps like Grab, Gojek, B. You can choose a car or a motorbike. Yeah. Do you need your credit card to do that? No, you can pay by cash. You can cash. still pay cash. Yeah. So you can still download the app in Vietnam and activate the app. Yeah, and just a pay by card. cash. Yeah. Oh, great. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. Why would you take a regular taxi? <laughs> Number four. Which also leads on to when you get to the international airport arrivals and mm. you come out the gate for the first, not the gate, the doors yep. right at the front, don't bother with the taxi rank. So. You know, there are probably two or three reputable taxi brands in Saigon mm. that, that you would use, like Venusun, Mylin Taxi, mm-hmm. and... Saigon Tourist. What's the yellow one? The Vina. Vina Taxi? Yeah. They're the three that I would only use. Saigon Tourist also has... Um, are they trustworthy, though, those yeah, ones? Are they? I think so. I've never, yeah. I don't think I've ever used it's them. It's grey and pink and blue. Right. The rest, they're all scoundrels. Mm. And... Because obviously a lot of flights turn up at the same time, there's scores, hundreds of people trying to get a taxi into mm-hmm. town. The grab cart, the ride hailing taxis, they're not allowed into the airport at the moment, only to drop off. You can't get them there, as far as I know. So what I recommend is walk over to the domestic terminal mm. and grab a cab from there. So a while back, there was a trick at the international arrive uh, at the international airport where, after arrival, you go up to the departure rank. I wasn't going to talk about that, but it's not there anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, number five: Don't get offended if someone barks no at you or <laughs> replies with what seems to be a dismissive yeah 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 look it's a direct translation from vietnamese yeah 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 is actually showing respect to older people yeah that's right that's a good one because mm-hmm. when i first came here i would have younger people saying yeah 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 and in australia yep. that's like yeah yeah shut it's up okay dismissive. go away yep. dismissive yeah mm-hmm. but here they're actually showing respect to you with that response so mm-hmm. Don't get your back up. And the word for no in Vietnamese is is said regularly, you know, all the time and with a lot of expression. So yeah. um, don't get offended yeah. when someone says no to your face. Okay, Mel? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, number six. Okay, don't hang around District 1. Get out of District 1. You can actually walk to District 5 and it's fairly <laughs> easy. District 5 and District 1 are together, uh, uh, side by side, joined to each other. 
it might take a little bit of a walk, but look, Ho Chi Minh City's as flat as a tack. Mm-hmm. There's no climbing of hills or anything. You may fall down a hole somewhere, but yeah, get out of D1 and experience things along the way. Explore the alleyways and the markets and things like that. Get off the main roads. Get off the, the sort of the tourist trap mm. trails that are out there. All right. And next, don't be afraid to buy raffle tickets off sellers as often it's their only income. Yeah, that's a good one. And it's actually one of probably the few ways that you can have an interaction with someone with who's local. genuinely yeah. local. Okay, they're yeah. trying to sell you something, but oftentimes they're older, they're much mm. older. They may have a story to tell. They're likely not going to be able to speak English. Or they're most likely to move on to the next customer after they get your 10,000 dong. They might be be a bit of a pest occasionally, but, you know, every now and then. They're better than beg packers, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're actually out there working, trotting the footpaths. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's right. Okay, so that brings me to the next one. Don't have the attitude that everyone is out to rip you off. Mm. And this sort of comes back to getting getting out of district one and perhaps going to district five or district three, district four. Yeah. Things get very local very quickly mm-hmm. and they're not, they're, they're just going about their normal business and they're, they're not trying to rip you off. What I really like about Vietnam as opposed to say Thailand is that the menu in the local restaurants only have one price. Yep. It's the same for yeah, local price point and tourist price. So it doesn't have that thing like in Thailand where there's like a secret menu for the locals or that, you know, <laughs> the uh, the characters are in Thai, yeah. so you can't really Whereas understand. Whereas at Bentan where Market, is. where the where the stalls are there, yeah. fixed it's price, it's all fixed, but it's high, yeah, and it's just for tourists. And really, yeah. the only, the but only at least it's tourists. fixed price. You yeah. know that you're not going to get yeah. ripped off. Yep. Okay, and the final one for me is don't get caught out, and it happens to me a lot. Don't get caught out walking the streets in the middle of the day, especially from. Mm-hmm. This month onwards, we're into March. We're getting into the second part of March, April. We're building towards Summer. the rainy season, the hot season. It just builds and builds and builds until about, well, May, mm. I suppose. We start to to get our first rains for the rainy season, probably even April. It's a bit of a different feeling this year, but from now on, it's getting super hot. And if you're out from high noon onwards till about probably about four o'clock. Yeah. Just do what the locals do. When in Rome, do what the locals do. Get up early, do your walks, have your early morning brekkie. Sometimes the food's the best, you know, first thing in the morning. Your itinerary anyway. sounds like it's for 50-year-olds <laughs> above. I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters. I mean, you know, you see what look to be Europeans getting around who have come out of a winter and mm. then they come here and they're walking the streets in the middle of the day. Trying to and sun they're themselves. Bright red <laughs> and they're hot and frustrated and sweating. Right. So yeah. Do what the locals do. Go and have a nap in that <laughs> early afternoon and then come out later. Do what they do. And last but not least, number 10, don't assume all coffee is good. (laughs) There's a lot of fake stuff out there. Yeah, there is. You'll see a lot of coffee sellers sort of out of the back of motorbikes, pouring coffee out of 1.5 litre Coke bottles, Mm. this sort of thing. It's fairly well known that a lot of street coffee can be mixed with cornstarch. 
um, roasted with corn even mm. apparently mm. and whatever other additives. So, um, yeah, I think they've come up with sort of concoctions that, that taste like coffee, the mm-hmm. real thing. So, and then it get mar- it gets masked, of course, with the condensed milk. Yeah, like a cafe sudar. Like yeah. So, yeah, be a little bit skeptical. Don't you know? Don't dismiss everything, but just keep an eye out for it. It's pretty hard to tell, but I guess try and look for reputable places that are selling coffee. You know, there there are thousands of them anyway. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please give it a like, share and comment and feel free to ask any questions related to Vietnam and the region on the Bureau Asia's social media channels at the Bureau Asia and I'll do my best to answer them. Mel, as usual, thanks for joining me again. You have my award for best co-host in Vietnam. You have no choice. (laughs) (laughs) So that's it for this episode. Don't forget to send in your comments and questions before our next episode so we can comment and answer. I'll also make sure you can comment if you're listening on Spotify. So look out for that Q&A section below the show notes. Please let us know what you think. And until then, take care and stay safe. This is Matt Cowan. Enjoy your week wherever you are.